next week. But last week, um, we looked at how in chapter one, there was an intentional reprogramming of the children of God. As you know, the southern kingdom was attacked by the Babylonians. And in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came against the holy city and deported many of the people back to Babylon, especially the young people. And out of that group of young people, he, he chose the creme de la creme, um, the best in the group. He chose young men who were good looking. There were no blemishes in them. These were young men, according to Daniel 1, who had come from nobility. So these were royal kids, teenagers. And in that lot of kids, there was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king's objective was to reprogram these young people. And he did that through a three-year system. It was very meticulous. Uh, it was very intentional. And he got them immersed, these Hebrew kids, these Jewish kids. He immersed them in Babylonian culture with their literature. He taught them Akkadian their language. Uh, he changed their names, which is really a way of changing their identity. Um, he gave them his food, his delicacies, the things that the king ate, he gave to these Hebrew kids. Why? Because he was reprogramming them that they may work for him, that they may go out in the future and recruit and work for him. But we saw that although he was intentional, to get these kids reprogrammed, there were some of them who had intentional resistance. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 1, I believe it's verse 8, where it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's delicacies. So this teenager, probably 14 years old, because Daniel came in 605, and he stayed there until the Persians took over from the Babylonians. So he was a young man in chapter 1, no doubt a teenager, let's just say 14 years old. That would put him in, what, 7th grade, 8th grade. And he purposed in his heart as a young person to say, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's delicacies. And the reason why he could take such a stand along with his friends his three friends, was because he had his own relationship with God. It wasn't his mother's relationship. It was his relationship. And here he was away from home, away from his parents. Like a lot of kids, when they go to college, you find out what's really in them. And you found out what was really in this young man because he chose to stand when mama and daddy wasn't around. But he recognized that his father in heaven was around. He practiced the presence of God along with his friends. So he stood. He, he recognized that he had purpose. And because he had purpose, he could purpose in his heart. I'm not going out like that. He knew enough of God to know what God's word said. And that is as a kosher Jewish boy, you're not to eat those things that have been sacrificed to idols. You're not to drink that strong drink that comes from the king's table. He knew enough of the word. And the Bible lets us know later on in the book of Daniel that Daniel had a custom 
ever since his younger years of praying three times a day. So this young man, this teenager, his walk with God was for real. And I believe we have young people like that in our church where your walk with God is for real. Like young Samuel who heard his voice, who heard the voice of God. You know the voice of God for yourself. You have your own relationship with God. And just like your parents, you're not perfect either. But that doesn't mean you don't love God. And so we encourage our young people, know his voice, recognize you have purpose. But then also we saw intentional favor last week. Because once Daniel stood up and said, I'm not eating that stuff, God showed up. And sometimes God won't show up until we stand up. And we want to see God do things for us, but God wants to know, are you going to act on what I told you to do? Before you expect something of me, what about what I have required of you? And when Daniel stood up, God showed up and showed out and gave him favor. The eunuch chief just gave Daniel special treatment that he gave no one else, even risking his own life to help this teenager and his friends. That, that's called favor. And then they went on this vegetable diet for 10 days where they didn't eat the meat. They didn't drink the wine. They just went on vegetables. And after 10 days, there was favor on their lives as teenagers where their flesh looked better than the other kids in the youth group, the Hebrew youth group that compromised and ate the stuff and drank the drink. They looked better. And so after three years, when they were brought before the king and the king tested these Hebrew boys, none could compare to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was favor on their lives. Well, they were in the minority in their youth group. It's one thing to experience peer pressure from your friends in Centennial High School, Franklin High School, Poplar Grove Middle School, Brentwood Academy, Brentwood High, Brentwood Middle. It's one thing to experience peer pressure and even teasing because you don't do what everybody else does. You, you have a way of morals. You have an ethical code. You have values about you, and you get teased for that. It's one thing when you get teased by unbelievers, but it's another thing when you get teased by people who say that they're believers and they jump on you because you're trying to live for God. But Daniel and his friends didn't even let his he their Hebrew friends stop them. Because I've learned, I'm 46 years old now, just celebrated a birthday. Amen. I've learned that any fish can go with the current. Any fish can even float downstream. But it takes a fish with some life to kick against the current and go against the stream, to go against the grain. And that was Daniel. They broke away from the school where everybody else is doing it. And they had enough courage and gumption in them to say, I'm not doing it just because everybody else is doing it, even if they're in the youth group with me. We said last week, you got to be aggressive. You got to be intentional to be spiritual. Because if we are not being intentional about being spiritual, we will be naturally carnal and fleshly. It happens naturally. We must be intentional to make a stand for God every day. And so the majority of the kids in the youth group ate the king's food, drank the king's drink. And today we'll see that the majority in the youth group, they bowed down to the king's image. 
So now the king is going to put this image there. We're going to see in a moment. And everybody is going to bow to it except this righteous remnant, this mighty minority. They're not going to bow down to it. So let's look at this beautiful narrative and get some encouragement. But first, let me give you the main point of this sermon. Get this main point. Here it is. Satan's objective is to get all of us, especially our young people, to bow down to idols. That's the main point. For boys, girls, children of all ages, the objective of Satan is to get all of us, especially young people, our young people, to bow down to idols. Because Satan knows that whomever you bow down to is whom you'll serve. He knows that whatever you bow down to is what you will serve. So he wants us to bow before idols because to bow before an idol, which we'll see in a moment is a false god, to bow before an idol is to ultimately bow before Satan. And that's his objective. He wants our kids not to bow before the father, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, I kneel before the father of heaven. No, no, Satan does not want us doing that. I don't care how old you are. He wants us bowing to idols, bowing to him. And this fool, that's right, I call the devil a fool, because you got to be a fool to challenge God, and that's what he did in heaven, because he has this thing where he wanted to be worshipped in heaven, and he tried to promote his throne over the throne of God. God gave him some power, but only God has all power. And Satan got drunk on his some power. This was in his pre-fallen state as an angel by the name of Lucifer, shining one, morning star. And he tried to lift his throne above the throne of God. But again, foolish. Why? Because God is creator. Lucifer was created. And a created thing cannot have more power than the one who created it. And so he had a moment of lunacy in eternity past and tried to exalt his some power over God's all power. And God kicked his all behind out of heaven. But it didn't stop there of wanting to be worshipped. Because when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, he tempted them to be God. To be the one who receives worship. Just like he wanted to receive worship. And when we do our own thing, we're acting like Eve, we're acting like Satan, we're acting like we are God, but we are not God. Only God can do his own thing. We must submit. Satan, Lucifer, did not submit. We must submit. There is safety in submission. So this fool tempted Jesus to bow down to him. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says, again, this is after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, 40 nights at the commencement of his earthly ministry. He's fasting before he gets started. Satan comes to him to try to derail Jesus, ultimately to disqualify Jesus, to get Jesus in the flesh, to make a bad decision. The Bible says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you. If you will fall down and worship me. But I love what Jesus said in verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, 
away with you, Satan, or translated, get behind me, Satan, for it is what? Written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So Jesus was like, I was there when Satan fell from heaven. When my daddy put him out, I saw him fall like lightning. You didn't learn back then that only God is to be bowed down to and only God is to be served? And I'm just going to remind you, Satan, since you've forgotten what the Bible says, him only shall you serve. So I'm not bowing down to you. Jesus says I only bow to my father. You must be a fool. And that's how we have to be when we are tempted to bow down to anyone other than God, anything other than God. We must be able to say with authority and be aggressive. Say, you are a fool and I am not a fool, Satan. Well, here's the dilemma, folks. Here's the dilemma. Let's go down real street. You know, I like going down real street, and I like dropping off mail in your mailbox. In every youth group across the country, all of the teens claim to worship and serve Jesus. But the truth is, many of them bow down every day to idols instead of Jesus. The adults said, man, that don't sound just like youth groups only. That sounds like us, adult groups. Yeah. We say one thing, but in our actions, we deny what we said. And for young people who come to youth group Wednesday night, Sunday mornings, when that gets kicked cranking back up again, we sit in there, we agree we may shake our head, but when we leave out, we have an entirely different agenda because we're bowing down to someone in something other than Jesus, even though we claim we bow down and serve Jesus. But that's the beauty of the word because the word is going to bring clarity today. It's going to hit you in such a way where that double-mindedness is going to cause you to choose this day whom you're going to serve. You're either going to get on the right with God or get on the left with the world. So here it comes. I, I hope you got your antenna up. I'm coming at kids of all ages. So, so, Pastor, number one, what is an idol? An idol is anyone or anything we put before God or in the place of God. Let the church say, ouch. Uh-huh. We are all idolaters in some degree. Because we're not perfectly righteous 24-7. We don't always have our minds set on things above where Christ is, not on things below. The reason why Paul challenges us to set our minds on things above, not on things below, because he knows sometimes our minds get on things below. So I've got to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Why? Because I'm susceptible to worshiping idols. And the biggest idol of all is me. Worshiping myself, doing what I want to do. But I thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you don't hear me. I thank God that he'll start talking to you saying, wait a minute now. The Holy Spirit came into our lives to glorify Christ. But right now you're glorifying your problems. You're making your problems into an idol. You're bowing down before it. You're glorifying people. You're glorifying this. You're glorifying that. Satan will even take good things and turn them into idols. Church is a good thing. But he hasn't called you to worship church. We worship at church, but we don't worship church. And some of us come from backgrounds where church is up here 
and God is down here because your commitment to God is based on what you do at church. It's subtle. But Satan, look, worship anything but God, and he, he's happy. And that's why when you worship church, you end up getting a bunch of Pharisees and religious zealots out of the deal. People who don't listen, whose hearts are made of stone. But oh, they ain't no religion, baby. He'll have you worshiping things that are subtle. You'll turn them into idol. Your parents, yeah, respect and honor your parents, but don't worship your parents. Yeah, respect and honor your pastor, but don't put me on a pedestal. Don't think, man, what would pastor do right now only? You better think, what would Jesus do? And what does Jesus require me to do? Some of y'all who are still trying to find yourselves, you find, if I can just get in pastor's face, if I can just see him today, don't get in my face, get in the Lord's face. Hey, hey, pastor. Because you're looking to me to provide something for you that only God can, and that's the thing with idols. We're looking to idols because we will worship something. We were created to worship. We were created to worship God, but through the fall, we worship stuff, starting with ourselves. And so God is saying, no, let, let, let's redirect that. Him only shall you serve. Well, here's the first point. There was pressure to bow. And I'm going to run through this quickly because of time. Point number one for these young men, there was pressure to bow. Y'all don't hear me. Daniel 3.1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Why did he make this image? Chances are he did this because in chapter 2 he had a dream. And only Daniel could interpret the dream. Daniel not only interpreted the dream, but the king said, I want y'all to tell me what I dreamed. And then tell me the meaning of the dream that I dreamed. And all of his magicians and astrologers and all those people said, king, that's unfair. How can we tell you what the dream is if we don't know what the dream, is, what the dream means if we don't know what the dream is? You got to tell us, king said, if y'all are for real, you should be able to read my mind and know what I dreamed last night. And they said, can't nobody do that. King said, well, I'm going to kill all of y'all then. And when they rolled up on Daniel, who was a wise man, he had favor with the captain of the guard. He said, take me to the king. Take me to the king. Not that king. So he goes, and uh, the king says, this is what's going on. Daniel said, uh, I can't tell you the dream or the interpretation, but the God of heaven can. And so he stepped away from the king and he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. And that night, God gave Daniel the dream and the meaning of the dream. He goes back to the king and he says, this is what you dream. You saw a statue and its head was gold. The chest was silver along with the arms. The belly and thighs were bronze. The legs were iron. And then the feet and toes were a mixture of clay and iron. But then there was this rock that came out of a mountain not cut by hands. And it hit the statue at the feet and the entire statue crumbled. The king said, yes, that's what I dreamed. Daniel said, oh king, you are the head of gold. 
Babylon, the great kingdom, you are the head of gold, but after you will come an inferior kingdom, the Medo-Persians, Medo-Persia, left and right. And then from them, the Greeks, the bronze, and then from them, the Romans, the iron. And then we are in the days now, as some would say, of the mixed clay and iron. Bottom line, we've got these governments led by men, but there's coming the rock and his rule will last forever, and he will destroy all of the kingdoms of men, and he will reign. So it was a prophetic word. That's why Daniel and Revelation go together. So King Nebuchadnezzar heard that dream. I'm the head of gold. So what does this man who is just so full of himself, as most leaders are, Think of Babylon as modern-day Iran today and the dictators that are there in that region. They do what they want to do. So this man makes an entire gold image because he's trying to say, my kingdom will not end. And so he says, not only am I going to make this image, and here's a picture, an artist's rendering of that picture. It's about 90 feet tall about 10 feet wide, and he wants everybody in his kingdom to bow down to it. And if you don't bow, he is going to burn you. Daniel chapter 3, verse 4, then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations and languages, that means everybody, Babylonians, Chaldeans, people from Judah, other nations we've conquered, everybody. Verse 5, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So that's the decree, verse 6. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. That's pressure, man. Let's be real. There's pressure when you go to school. There's pressures in your peer group because everybody, so it seems, is doing this. Everybody's getting high. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's being promiscuous. Everybody's doing this. Everybody, every, and you feel pressure to conform. Young people, am I right about what I'm saying? You can say amen. Let me hear y'all say amen. Wait a minute. Let me hear the young people say amen. Y'all loud any other time. Get loud in church. Be sitting up here all quiet. Let's be aggressive. Let's learn the strategies of Satan to make you think that everybody's doing this, but everybody's not doing it because you're not doing it. Even if you don't feel it, I speak it over you right now. You're not doing it. You're not going with everybody because you're not like everybody else. Point number two, there were threats to bow. So not only was there this pressure, now there are threats. Chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar or some great dictator from our day. Just, just think about that. Don't think one of our presidents. Think of some dictator. In rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and a big Negro. 
Well, excuse me, a bad nigga. Man, don't that look like a big Negro when you read that? All you need is an R up in that bad boy. <laughs> so they brought these men before the king. Why? Because they heard that they weren't bowing. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? In other words, he's intimidating now. Like, I, I, I know you heard what I said. And he is believing that they're going to correct themselves in his presence now. And he says in verse 15, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, good. <laughs> but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So if you don't bow, you're going to get fired, burned. Adults, let me talk to you. You may have a boss that says, I know what our final numbers say, but you in accounting, you over your, I need you to fudge those numbers a little bit. And I wonder, will you bow to that king or will you bow to your king in heaven and say, no, I won't do wrong for you? Even if they threaten me with termination to be fired, will you stand? So I just want to throw that into the adults for free so that we just don't think this is just about young people. No, all of us every day, we're going through things. If we don't bow, there will be consequences. I remember when I was growing up and I was trying to, you know, live for the Lord, coming home from college. I was trying, man, but there were parties that were going on. And I learned that the more I got into Christ, the less invitations I got to go to the house parties. Y'all don't hear brother today. Because they saw something was changing in me, and they don't even want Chris coming around anyway. So he, he, something is going on in him, and I used to get sad. How come I ain't getting invited to the parties no more? And my mother and father would say, it's because you need some new friends now. No. And I would say, there aren't any friends. And they would say, friends that love the Lord. They would say, pray for some friends who love the Lord. That was my freshman year. I was trying to get my feet under me spiritually. And I wasn't getting called to the parties and all that stuff. They said, pray for Christian friends. I said, all right, Lord, let me start praying for some Christian friends. Because I thought all of my friends were in the world. And only the Christian people I saw my age, they, they were kind of square or soft. You know, I'm like, man, I want to hang with them. I want to hang with some real dudes. I kid you not. My sophomore year. I go to college, and I come in my dorm room, and in my room, there's a bag, and that bag has the name written on it, Daryl Fitzgerald. Now, I knew of Daryl, but I didn't know Daryl. So I was like, okay, all right. Wasn't too many brothers, black guys on the campus, so we stuck out. When you saw another brother, hey, brother! You know, so when I saw, okay, all right. I left the room, left my stuff in the room. Daryl came back and saw my stuff with my name on it. 
Now, I didn't come from such an illustrious family as Pastor Daryl. My stuff was in garbage bags and stuff like that. But he saw Chris Williamson. He's like, oh, that dude? God put us together. And from there, we developed a friendship that is still lasting to this day, and we still hold each other accountable, sharpen each other like iron. But who put us together? God. Because I listened to my dad who said, pray for some friends. God hooked me up with PD. My God. Can't get rid of the brother now. Can't get rid of <laughs> Pray, young people, for some friends. Point number three. Although there was pressure to bow, and I'm going home after this, there were threats to bow. However, there were commands not to bow. Here it comes. God would not put you in the war if he would not equip you to win the war. He's given you everything you need for life and for godliness. In the 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year in college, grad school, he gives you everything you need for life and godliness. The question is, will we use what he gave us? And so these boys did not bow, did not do what everybody else was doing because they had conviction in their soul that came from spending time with God in his word. They just weren't doing little devotions and and say, I checked it off the list. No, they were meeting with God and God met with them and God seared himself in their soul so that when they were tempted to either eat the meat and drink the strong drink or to bow, it was no question. Why? Because God has spoken. Why? The king had spoken, Nebuchadnezzar, but there was a greater king that overruled that king and he's the king of kings and his word has more authority than the president of the United States, than the dictator, whoever it is. They submitted to that king, and they said, we're not bowing. And I don't care if you call us in and try to intimidate us. We are not afraid of you. Oh, give us young people like that today. I get sick of seeing these gangsters who talk about ride or die, and they'll die for their hood and all this kind of stuff. But we got Christian kids who can't ride or die for the kingdom, who can't lay their lives down for Jesus. How is it that an ungodly dude believes more in what he's doing than people who are godly believe in what we're doing? Come on. Let's step up. Exodus 20, verse 3. These young boys knew the word. They knew the Ten Commandments. And the first one says, you shall have no other gods before me. Case closed. But, But in case you missed it, Nebi, how about the second commandment? You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments and boys said you've been overruled king nebuchadnezzar you said bow my king said don't bow the king made an image every idol is something that is made and even if we worship people people are made but the maker is who we should worship he made that thing and people bowing down and you may say that's foolish 
to bow down to an image that can't see, that can't hear, that can't talk, that can't deliver, that can't encourage, that can't comfort. But we do it every day when we bow down to social media. We do it when we bow down to cars and homes and money, stuff that can't see, that can't hear, that can't love us, that can't comfort us, and surely cannot save us. And so Satan dupes us to put our trust, our loyalty, our allegiance, our worship in things that cannot do us like God can. And we keep buying the lie, buying the lie, but not today. Wake up! So in conclusion, some of the favorite words that parishioners love to hear their pastors say. In conclusion. There's this one comedian that talks about how this one pastor said, oh, I'm about to close. I'm about to close this message. I'm about to close. And five minutes later, he says, oh, I'm about to close this message. Ten minutes later, oh, I'm about to close this message. And everybody in the church is wondering, how many doors does this message have on it? Will, will the brother just close it and sit down? Well, Satan's objective is to get all of us, especially our young people, to bow down to idols. But like Jesus and the three Hebrew boys, we choose not to bow down to Satan. We choose every day, throughout the day. And if I bowed that time, the Holy Spirit brings loving conviction. Lord, I'm sorry. Mm, straighten me up. Stand me up not to bow. I recognize I don't need to bow to cigarettes. So many of our young people are smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana. No, no, Lord, I'm not bowing to that. I'm not bowing to the latest pair of Jordans. It seems like if I don't have the Jordans on, people don't think I'm cool. And so I'm going to do anything, worry my mother to get me these Jordans that I know she don't have the money, but I'm so selfish. Because it's really not about the shoes, it's about me. Because I want people to look at me. I'm the idol. Let me get another selfie. Let me take a selfie of my shoes. Let me get that haircut. Oh, let me get this dye in my hair. Let me get this uh, other earring. Let me get them tattoos. There's nothing inherently evil in Jordans, tattoos, or earrings. But it does become evil when our identity is wrapped up in those things rather than in Christ. So we've made an idol out of that stuff. And Jesus is saying, repent. I'm all that you need. Try me. I dare you. Try me. Don't bow. Don't bow. A few years ago, I was invited to a barbecue, but this barbecue was in the hood. And when you go to a barbecue in the hood, people have dogs present, namely pit bulls present. So one of my homies had a pit bull, and it was trained. And he trained this thing methodically. I mean, it was a systematic way that he trained this dog. And he said, my dog is so trained that if I sit it down right here and tell it to stay, it will not move. That's so all his friends said, come on, man, it'll move. No, it won't, the man said. They said, let's try. So the man walks his pit bull, and the dog's name is Lucky. And he says, Lucky, sit. And he said, Lucky, stay. 
And anybody that's trained a dog well knows that that dog won't move unless that master says move. But the friends didn't believe that that dog was going to stay there. So they came about six feet from Lucky and started saying, come on, Lucky, come here, Lucky. Come here, Lucky. And Lucky just. Man said, I told you, <laughs> Lucky ain't moving. Come on, Lucky. Come on, Lucky. Lucky, he stayed. Why? Because the master said, stay. So somebody got a bright idea and said, I'm going to take this tennis ball. Dogs love to fetch ball. I'm going to throw this ball. Lucky going to move. Lucky is going to move. So dude throws the ball. Lucky looks at the ball. He just stayed. They're like, I can't believe Lucky is, he's staying there. So one of the girls in the group, she, she got a bright idea. She got a plate of barbecue. Mm-hmm. Set the barbecue on the ground, some ribs and pulled pork. Lucky is sitting right here. Master says, stay. He didn't go when they called him. Lucky, lucky. He moved. They threw the ball. Lucky didn't move. They put that plate down there. It was some trouble for Lucky. <laughs> lucky stayed. He looked at that plate, but he looked at his master. Lucky looked at that plate, <laughs> looked at his master. And this went on and on. And the master saw that Lucky was starting to weaken. So the master said, Lucky, stay. And then Lucky, he came back to himself. And he stood the test. And he didn't bow down to the plate that was put before him. Why? Because his master's word overruled the temptation that was coming at him and the voices of others. I, I didn't come by today to talk to dogs, but I did come by today to talk to some sheep. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and I call each of them by name. Not lucky, but blessed. And where I go, they go. Why? They will not follow a stranger. They won't bow out. Why? Because they know my voice. Young people, when you know when you know his voice, when you know his voice, you won't bow down to the stuff that's out here. When you know his voice, Father God, help us to know your voice, which comes through your word. As these young men did in scripture, they knew you through your word. They knew your voice. And there are many voices out here in this world. But ultimately, it's coming from one liar, one demon, one devil, Satan. May we be spiritually astute to recognize the pulls, the subtleties, the things that drive us from Jesus when you call us to run to Jesus. Strengthen us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want every young person to meet me right here at this altar right now. If you stood when I started this sermon, meet me right here right now. Meet me right here right now. Come on, meet me right here right now. I want y'all looking at me. Look at me. I love you. Let, let's pull it around. Come on. Let's pull it around. Then I'm going to do like I'm at a Toby Mac concert, and I'm going to jump out there, and I want y'all to catch me. All right. Come on. Let's spread it all around. All the kids. Isn't this a beautiful sight, everybody? Come on. Come on. I want all y'all up here. Come on. We got some room on this side. 
We got room on this side. These are our students. Got my boys here from Kakalaki. All right. I want you guys to be honest, okay, about what the idols are. Holy Spirit is in you. He's already talking to you about what the idols are. Could be a person. I hope y'all don't have little boyfriends or girlfriends, especially without your parents' blessing. But the Holy Spirit wants you to recognize what, what is that thing or those things that's keeping you from him, that you're putting before him. And it could be something subtle. I see an athlete here. I see a singer here. I see athletes and soccer players and musicians. There's nothing wrong with those things, but subtly those things can move before the Lord if we're not careful. Recognize. And then there are some other things that you guys know. That's not cool. Okay? But he loves you enough to talk to you and say, let it go. We know of the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they stood. We don't know the names of the people who didn't. I'm looking for you guys, man, to stand up. School about to start. You're going there not only to get an education, but you're going there to represent. I can't come in your school and preach, but you can. You can talk about Jesus. You can let your light shine. You can pray over your food. You can wear Christian t-shirts. You can bring a Bible to school. You can do that. Why not? Kids are wearing all kind of skull t-shirts and messages on there. And Why can't you stand up? You don't have to be undercover, secret agent. Don't be ashamed. Just try it one time. And when they're tempting you to go with the flow, to go with the crowd, you don't have to give in to that. Find you a buddy up in here. Let's make this youth group tight. Find people in here that really want to live for God who will help hold you accountable. That's what Daniel had. You got to get that. And y'all got to get past just sending things to each other. Look at this new video or this joke. Let's get past that. How about sending some scripture to each other? You can do that now. You don't have to wait till you're older. You can do it now. You can live for Jesus now. We see it in the scriptures. It's possible. Look at the favor and the goodness on these people's lives. So recognize whatever idol it is. And man, if you need to repent, turn from it. Turn to Jesus. Talk to mom. Talk to dad. Talk to your youth leader. Talk to me. Talk to one another. Turn from it. You know, when I go talk to these big football players, Tennessee Titans, Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins, I talk to them. I keep it real. And I say, guys, isn't it something how the world is that when a man goes on to ESPN.com, nine times out of ten, if he goes down to the bottom of that page, there's going to be something about sex at the bottom of the page. Some woman's going to be there with her breasts hanging out or something's going on. Why? Because they know men go to those pages. And they're trying to get men addicted to pornography. And a lot of the pages you get on, it's got that stuff on it. They're trying to indoctrinate you and all of us. What does a woman in a bikini have to do with getting toothpaste? That's what they do. It's intentional. But as you grow in the word and you know his voice, you'll pick that stuff up and be like, I ain't even clicking on that. I ain't even going there. 
And some of us need to repent. You spend more time on social media and in your computer than you do with God. I'm not trying to make this a legalistic thing. But an idol is something that demands your loyalty, your time, even your money. And when it comes time for God, how much loyalty and allegiance does he get from you? So let's flip. Let's let, come on, let's turn this around now. And for some of you, turning back to God, yes, rededication, which is for all of us constantly. But some of you haven't turned to Jesus, period, for salvation. Wouldn't this be a good day to turn to Jesus for salvation? Pastor, these are church kids. And I grew up in church. I did not know Jesus Christ. I saw a picture of a man on a cross. I had no idea what he was up there for. I didn't know that he went on that cross because he loved me to save me from my sin. I knew I was a sinner. Jesus loved me enough to give his life, his perfect life for me. And I chose him for myself. Age, right before I turned 16, I accepted Christ. Didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I needed him. Let me ask a question. You ain't got to be scared. You ain't got to be scared. How many of you guys know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know for sure. He lives in your heart. You invited him and you were intentional. You could have been two. You could have been three. Could have been when you were 15. But you know, man, Jesus is my Lord. Raise your hand if you know for sure. Raise your hand. Amen. Okay. Okay. Uh, put the hands down. If you don't know for sure, but you want to know for sure, don't worry about them. It's just us. It's just us right now. Don't worry about nobody. You don't know for sure, but you say, Pastor, I want to know for sure today. I want to know for sure. Is there one of you? Raise your hand and say, I want to know for sure today. I want to know Jesus for sure. Is there one? Just raise your hand. I see your hand, baby. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. What's your name? Oh, you know I can't. Pastor can't hear. Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Let's see here. Chase, I want you after this service to pray with Aaliyah so she can accept Jesus as her Savior, okay? I want you either right up here at the end or you take her into another room. I want you to talk to her about Jesus. And then you're going to say, Jesus, come into my life. And God is not a man that he should lie. You ask him to save you, <laughs> he's going to save you. He's going to come into you, and you'll never be the same. And he'll, he'll never stop loving you. Oh, my God. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Last thing, last thing. Back in the day when Christians got baptized, that was serious, man. That, that let people know they were on another team. August 10th, in that baptistry right there, I'm going to baptize some new believers. One of them was the little boy in the skit today, Grayson, who got saved in church about three weeks ago gave his heart to Jesus. We're going to baptize Grayson. And then there's another family that's getting baptized. And Aaliyah 
you'll get baptized that day if your family allows. But let me ask y'all this too, though. Baptism is like a wedding ring. This wedding ring doesn't make me married, but it shows everybody that I'm married. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian, but it's a sign that shows that you are a Christian and that you're married to the Lord. Now, a few years ago, my wife and I, we renewed our vows and we got new rings. This ring got a little bit more bling in it than the first ring she gave me all them years ago because the first ring she gave me, she didn't have much money. And that ring, you know, just straight. Mm. But this one, I got a couple of zirconiums up in this. It's looking good. I gave her one with some blue stuff in it, man. We renewed our vows, got new rings. Hey, y'all, before we start this school year, pray about this. If you want to rededicate your life to Christ and get baptized again as a sign of that rededication, let's do it. Let's do it. If he talks to you about it. If you don't do it, that doesn't mean. No, if he talks to you and says, man, I want to get rededicated. I want to get rebaptized. I want to renew my vows to the Lord. I'm going public up in here so I can stand out there. Think about it, August 10th. Uh, my homies from North Carolina, y'all going to get baptized that day, right? Amen. Raise your hand so I can see y'all. Amen, amen. These cats are here for the summer. They're going to get baptized. Oh! I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Adults, would you stand up and let's bless God for our young people. Put your hands together and bless God for our students. Come on now, let them know. Because they wish they had this. When, when I was young, I wish I had this. Yeah. All right. Justin Jones. Before you close us in prayer, next week we're going to talk about what happens when you stand. Okay? Just because you stand for God, that don't mean you still won't get persecuted. We're going to talk about that next week, so make sure you hear next week. I want you to read ahead in Daniel chapter 3. Read ahead and see what happens when you take a stand. Not only will there be persecution, but my God shows Oh, I don't know if y'all ready. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all, I don't know if y'all ready. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I don't know if y'all ready. Y'all ain't ready. I don't know. Justin, are you ready? Can you close us out in prayer? Can you get us there, son? In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody. Link hands, link hands. Link hands, link hands. All right. Lord, thank you for bringing us young people here today just to come together and be one as a, as a family and just lead on the new generation because there's lots of distractions and lots of pressures that come with it in going to high school and middle school, of course, and just going through life. We have to get somewhere to get somewhere else. Without the new generation, I don't know. So, Lord, please let us be here, be strong together, and just have good friends. And please give us good friends to guide us through our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless. Go with peace. Yeah. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath 
The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh You know, when you've been called to do things for God or when you've been called to have a relationship with God, 
sometimes it just don't feel good. I mean, it's just downright uncomfortable from time to time. But in those tough times, I want you to keep it. My vision is obscured when I'm hanging on by thread and my footing's unsure. I hear in the spirit one word to help me. 